And now, The Mentors Radio, one of the most popular and unique shows on the air today. Here each week, remarkable CEOs and leaders, including hosts Tom Laurie and Dan Hesse, and their guests will mentor you, challenging your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their ethical leadership and advice, and for helping others succeed throughout their careers, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Learn more and check out the show notes at TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. And now, here's your mentor. Thank you for joining us. I'm Tom Laurie, and I'll be your host today. If beating yourself up every day works for you, have at it. If you're happy being miserable, then by all means, continue. But if those things aren't working for you, then this is the show for you. Joining us today is Greg Harden, the Director of Athletic Counseling at the University of Michigan. Greg's influence stretches far and wide, touching hundreds of lives from all walks of life, teachers, doctors, business leaders, and world-class athletes, including the likes of NFL superstar Tom Brady and Heisman winner Desmond Howard. He is known as the hero's hero. What truly sets Greg apart is his unwavering commitment to helping individuals to understand and believe in themselves and become not the best football player, best business leader, but rather the best person they can be. Today, we're going to delve into his insights and experience that he shared in his first book, Stay Sane in an Insane World, How to Control the Uncontrollables and Thrive. Welcome to The Mentors, Greg. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate the time. Oh, thank you, Tom, for this opportunity. I'm very excited because I really like the format and what you're trying to do. So in your book, you note that we're facing two historic crises at the same time. And to provide some context for our discussion today, what are they? Well, there was a pandemic that was clearly identified as COVID-19 and was challenging us in ways that we'd never been challenged before. Uh, Mentally, physically, we were challenged to stay in our homes and not go to the office and and, and avoid people. And, And there were so many young people that were struggling mightily, stuck in hotels who were just trying to be and just trying to go to college. And, and, and there were people who were working, had been working all their lives, who couldn't go into the office. And that was an unbelievable challenge and a test to our society, to our world. And at the same time, the political upheavals and the social action that was going on uh, all around the world at that time was asking us questions about who are we and what are we trying to do and where are we going and who's on first? (laughs) I don't know. And you also noted that with all that's going on, and a lot hasn't changed, although COVID has certainly diminished a lot of the craziness, and that's what you say, staying sane in an insane world. And I think there are many would agree with you today, we live in a pretty insane world. But you say the world is in desperate need of new leadership. How would you characterize the, not the need, but what that new leadership might look like? Well, that new leadership might look at people who actually remember to care, to lead with care, compassion, and concern, to lead in such a way that everyone around them is not preoccupied with them proving how much they know, but knowing how much they care. There are leaders that we need right now that are not just stuck in extremes, but understand that 
cooperation, collaboration uh, overrules everything when we're trying to move ourselves forward and trying to move a country forward. And so we, we can get so much more done if we communicate effectively and reach across aisles and believe that there is a central theme, not a single theme. Well, let's uh, get going and talk a little bit about Tom Brady. I think a lot of people want to hear a little bit about your story with Tom Brady. How did you meet him? Where was he at? And what was it that you did for Tom? Well, Tom Brady allowed me to coach him in, 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 the, in the middle game. And how did that happen? Uh, he was on the death chart. He was struggling mightily to to. Uh, become one of the people who would get on the field at Michigan uh, football. And he had moved from the sixth, seventh spot to the third spot. And he was, he was eager to just make make things happen. When I met him, he had just had acute appendicitis and lost 25 pounds. If you remember his body type, losing 25 pounds for Tom Brady was quite a, a severe uh, and, and negative experience. And so when he comes to me, he's down and he's, he's, de he's, he's depressed, basically. Things aren't going the way that he wanted them to go. He was convinced that the coaches didn't believe in him, and he was frustrated. And uh, he came in my office and said, I saw what you and Desmond were doing, and I thought maybe – you might be able to help me just a little bit to recalibrate and rethink because I don't want to leave, but I'm thinking about leaving. And so I share with Tom that I can't help you when it comes to who's going to get on the field, but I can help you believe if no one else believes that you're qualified. I can help you believe that if no one else sees you, you see yourself in such a way that you trust and you believe. And I don't care what the coaches think. All that matters is what do you think? If you don't believe in yourself, why should anyone else believe? And that's how we started. And it was an unbelievable adventure watching a young man who was capable of not just being hungry, hungrier than most, fired up, but humble enough. Humble. Tom, the boy was hungry and humble. Combine those two together, and you have a guy that is coachable. And so he was uh, under you. He grew mentally, physically, and spiritually. I guess as uh, under at least you pushed him. He writes about this in the uh, uh, preface to your book, and he also uh, said that uh, you made a comment that he was open to being guided, which you're talking about. What what were some of the strategies and insights you learned from working with Tom and, and Desmond as well? Well, the, the beauty of a mentoring is that if you're lucky, you get to learn from your mentees. And Desmond, Desmond Howard in particular, along with a, a cat named Ward Manuel, who is currently the athletic director at the University of Michigan, taught me that I needed to change my whole approach to working with that age group and that population. And by the time I got to Tom, uh, I was able to not just do clinical therapy, but I could push people. I could push people to become peak performers. I could see the whole person. And 
I would have Desmond making it clear and, and Ward would make it clear. I don't need a shrink. I need someone that I can talk to, someone I can trust, someone that will advocate for me and fight for me and help me believe in myself. And that's a radical shift from what I had been trained to do and where I had worked prior to working in athletics. I worked as a clinical therapist in, in a hospital-based program. Let's and come back and talk about your how you found your way to what you're doing in the next segment. We're going to have to go to... Uh, uh, the people that pay for the show. And we're going to be right back after a short break. We are with the hero's hero, Greg Harden. Go to our website, click on list of shows to listen to past shows. Subscribe while you're there so you don't miss any future shows. This is Tom Laurie, and you're listening to The Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I am with Greg Harden, the Director of Athletic Counseling at the University of Michigan, lifelong mentor to Tom Brady and the author of Stay Sane in an Insane World, How to Control the Uncontrollables and Thrive. Remember, you can also listen to this show or any previous shows on any device or at any time by going to thementorsradio.com or to iTunes, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast platform. Subscribe while you're there so you don't miss any future shows. Again, thementorsradio.com. Let's talk now about your uh, early life and your career journey. Tell us the path that brought you to where you are today. Well, Tom, I, I have to take the liberty of sharing with you that I am not currently a director of athletic counseling. I'm oh. a retired uh, gentleman, and I retired as executive associate athletic director and responsible for all health and welfare and integrated behavioral health care to our athletes. Uh, my journey. It was quite intriguing. Like I, I was working in a hospital, uh, working in uh, as a specialist in alcohol and drugs. Got a call from a uh, gentleman asking if I would come and do a lecture for the football team. Uh, and I suggested to him that I appreciated the invitation, but I was not invested in doing a 20, 30 minute rah, rah, we love you, just say no speech to a group of athletes since it was not effective. He was stunned and he said, well, well, but we heard you were the best. I said, thank, thank you again. He said, this is University of Michigan. I said, oh, thank you, I, I value that. I went to Michigan, love Michigan, boom, boom, boom. But no, I, I can give you the names of some folks who might be interested. Two weeks later, Tom, I get a call from this guy and he says, Shim Beckler wants to meet you. <laughs> That's the head coach of football right. in, in that period of 1986. And I'm pretty, you know, excited about being me and said, I want to meet him. <laughs> and I have 21 questions because giving a lecture to athletes about alcohol and drugs, I need to know what would actually happen to a young person who self-identified as being concerned about their, their use or their struggling with family matters connected to it. And so I need, not only do I need the head coach there, I need the, the director of athletic medicine. I need the athletic trainer. I need the sport administrator. Everyone that's going to make a decision about this young man's life needs to be in that room and tell me how this fits into your overall approach to dealing with this concern. 
Well, needless to say, it didn't work like that, Tom. Introduced to Bo Schembechler, and he said, okay, Bo, this is hard, and he's going to tell you about his program. Well, that's not what I thought was going to happen. But Tom, guess what? I told him what I would do <laughs> if I was given the opportunity to work with the cast of characters who have to make sure that these young people are given an opportunity to grow through stuff and not just go through stuff, to be able to talk about prevention, intervention, and retention. And if we're not going to talk about all three, I can't help you. Needless to say, seemed like it worked out pretty good. That was 1986. They were, they were a client of mine, and they were a client for eight years. And then in 1994, they asked me to come in as director of athletic counseling. And you're now the exec, I want to get that right, executive I am associate. The I am the retired. <laughs> you're too young to be retired. Uh, yes, you're very kind and generous. So, but I've returned to where I started. I was like a consultant, a special advisor to the athletic director. That's what I do again in the in this day and age. Well, that's great. So, when you think about all that, what and and part of what you do with uh, people you work with is for them to the self reflection, knowing who they are, and we're going to come back to that. But with that in mind, what do you think your gifts are? Oh wow, Tom. Uh, let me make it real clear that um, I have a gift of discernment. Uh, I'm, I have, for some odd reason, people tell me who they are just by the way they talk, the way they walk. Uh, and if you ask the right questions, people will share with you who they are. So being able to read people and organizations and groups is something that's really worked well for me. But understand, while I am popular and have a reputation because of athletics, it didn't start in athletics. It started in a hospital. Then it went to the College of Engineering in the medical school where I was designing personal development programs. And then it went to corporations, Fortune 500 companies where we're looking at how do you deal with the troubled employee? And what I did when I got to athletics was superimpose a commitment from athletics to begin to see whole people and to be able to provide people involved in, in athletics with someone to talk to about something other than performance. And so what I did was take the EAP, you remember EAP programs, sure. employee assistance programs? I superimposed an EAP program model into athletics long before anyone else was talking about it. And where do you get your inspiration from? Ooh, <laughs> a lot of places. Inspiration for writing the book is legacy. I, I mean, this is not about me. This book is not about me. It's it's some of the most exciting work you could ever do. What I'm doing now is trying to coach coaches. I'm trying to teach CEOs and, and, and executives how to get more out of people, how to be someone that they can trust and believe in, how to empower people to do their jobs. And so my inspiration and motivation right now is I'm in the fourth quarter, the eighth inning. I'm in the third period. I'm trying to give as much as I can 
while I can. So then let's go into your philosophy. How do you get more out of people? How do you get them to be the best person of themselves? Look, you, you know how popular that phrase is, become the best version of yourself. Overused. That is, that is it's overused. Come on. The question is, well, how do you do it? Yes. <laughs> well, my secret, my formula is straightforward. First, I try to convince people to consider this whole idea of becoming the world's greatest expert on one subject, themselves. If I can teach you to become the world's greatest expert on you, all of a sudden, you're no longer just trying to be an expert in biotechnology. <laughs> you're trying to be someone that understands what's working and what's not working. Someone that looks at my strengths, my weaknesses. The, I, I teach people to do a SWOT analysis. Anyone that's been to the B school knows the SWOT analysis. I had the audacity, Tom, to take that model and say, if you want to be the best version of yourself, if you want to be uh, someone that has a brand, I want you to see yourself as running a company. And that company is Tom Laurie Incorporated. <laughs> Based on how you're running your company right now, would I invest my money in your in, in stock? And if you can't say, yes, I would, then we've got a lot of work to do. And so I teach people how to understand self-evaluation, self-assessment, self-definition, and how to invent, reinvent, and continuous improvement. That's the name of the game. And we'll go deeper into that. I'm sure. Yeah, I want to get when I come back, uh, let's talk about the SWOT analysis and what that because some people may not be familiar with it. I am. And then uh, you also have a, a an exercise that you have people going through where they look at the future and define who they are. Let's talk a little bit about that as well. So we're going to be right back after a break. Uh, that, that wraps up this segment. Don't go anywhere. We have a lot more to talk about with Greg Harden, the hero's hero. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm with Greg Harden, the former, and I got to get it right this time, exec, Executive Associate of Ath Athletic Director, Executive Associate Athletic Director of the University of Michigan. And he's retired. He's working focused today on coaching coaches. Um He's also the author of Stay Sane and An Insane World, How to Control the Uncontrollables. If you enjoy the show, take a moment to rate us on Apple or Spotify podcast. Your positive commitments can or comments can make a big impact on those unfamiliar with the show. Thank you for your support. It means a lot to us. Okay, let's go to the um, some of the, the how-tos. Talk a little bit about what a SWOT analysis is so people understand how they take this. It's something we learn in B school, but how do they take it and apply it to themselves as they are the uh, captain of the ship? I, you remember when you were exposed to it, you're in an organization and somebody came in and said, we're going to do a SWOT analysis and we're going to give you a quadrant and you're going to create a segment on identifying the strengths of the organization, the weaknesses the opportunities to success and the threats to success to this organization. Well, what if you saw yourself as being responsible for a corporation named Greg Harden Incorporated? 
Thomas Laurie Incorporated. And what's a SWOT analysis going to look like? Well, I teach people to absolutely spend time looking at what they consider their strengths are. And a lot of people are totally uncomfortable looking at their strengths and they're great at talking about their weaknesses. So we look at that imbalance or balance. We look at and teach them how to look at what are the opportunities that I'm not taking advantage of in my life? What are the threats to my success? They have to first define success in their own terms. But then, Tom, this is when it gets interesting. Okay, that was all right. And that's what companies do. Tom, I tell them this is the next step. I want you to identify two people, two or three, that you trust and believe see you. I want you to ask them to do the same thing, create a SWOT analysis and their review of what your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats are. And then we're going to come back and we're going to look at what you captured, what they captured, and see if there's congruency or incongruent uh, uh, matters that open up doors for you to think about what you might want to work on and then come up with individualized goals specific to what you learned from this analysis. I had a guy named Miles Miller. I gave him this assignment. Tom Laurie, this boy said, I got somebody I want to look, look at my SWAT. He said, my ex-girlfriend, my ex-boss, the one who <laughs> fired me. I, I, what did you say? He said, Yes, I trust them and I believe they'll give an honest review. Tom, they came back and it was so brilliant. And this young man took the feedback and he transformed it into personalized goals in terms of what he needed to work on, what he needed to look at. And it was unbelievable outcome. And I, I, I had never had anyone that brave. <laughs> So courageous to pick someone who had fired him and someone who had fired him. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. We are with Greg Harden, and we're discussing universal truths about true success in life. So part of your one of your exercises is that you also um, have them, you encourage them out in as much detail as uh, they can, uh, what kind of person they want to become. Tell us a little bit about that exercise. I mean, that's done. It's, it sounds like it's complementary to the SWOT analysis, but it it gets them to look out at the future. Yes, I have probably two hundred and fifty sheets on people who have been given the assignment. I need you to make one page, no more than two, and the title of that your your assignment is to design the ideal self. You are responsible. Uh, whatever whatever God you believe in is on vacation and ask you to take responsibility and come up with the characteristics, the values, the beliefs, the style, the, the body language. If you could design the absolute ideal you, what would it look like? One page, no more than two. Time, what comes back is unbelievable. What people write and then how they begin to see it. And some people struggle mightily just to say, how can I design my own self? I say, okay, I tell you what, I want you to create the ideal friend. If you had a best friend, what would their characteristics be? What would their values be? How would they operate? And they say, oh, I got it. And they would come back and I, I tell you, it's 
sometimes it, it brings tears to your eyes, the way that they would articulate and clarify. In the book, you'll see a story about Michelle McMahon, who was an unbelievable uh, volleyball player, but a walk-on and someone who was never going to play. And she was so disturbed. We did the ideal self. This young lady uh, in her senior year got to play, but most importantly, she turned into an unbelievable sportscaster, a person who is shaking and moving in all directions of her life. We revisited her, her ideal self model. She talks about it in the book, and this is who she absolutely became. Solid, someone with confidence, someone that captured the uh, the uh, assertiveness and perfected it. She's, she's a genius. There's so many stories in the book that are not about athletes. The book is not about athletics. It's about people becoming the best version of themselves and having a formula to make it happen. Well, I want to come back to that best friend because you, elicit, you, you note some characteristics of a best friend. And now we're talking about you being your best friend. And uh, let me just quickly go through this is which your best friend is somebody who believes in you, never wants to let you down, values your opinion, is happy when you do well, is honest with you, someone to whom you would entrust your life, and the person you can trust with your life, and it's yourself. So I think this, I love that what you wrote, because a lot, I mean, you're talking about transferring it from a best friend to you, to me. And a lot of people sometimes don't understand what a best friend really is. And I think that's uh, what you uh, characterized there really, uh, for me personally, says what a best friend really is. So uh, it's something I appreciate. Oh, thank you, Tom. But think about it. I, we know some people, you've got people in your life who are the best friends you could ever have, but how they treat themselves is saddening. It hurts you. You can see that they're not treating themselves as well as they try to treat everyone else. And sometimes the quest for, I talk about the four A's in the book. The four A's are the need for attention, affection, approval, and acceptance. And oftentimes we're looking outside of ourselves for the attention, affection, approval, and acceptance of others. And I'm asking people to understand the secret that's not a secret is self-love and self-acceptance, being as attentive and as thoughtful to yourself as you are to everyone else, being able to accept yourself all. You want everyone else to do it, but you don't do it. And so in, in the book, we push the agenda to get you to be the best friend you could possibly have. It requires you to surrender and allow yourself to pursue self-love and self-acceptance. Big word there is surrender. Surrender the ego, my brother. That's a big one. Well, we're going to come right back. We're talking with uh, Greg Harden, the hero's hero. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to the Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm with Greg Harden, who is the author of Stay sane in an insane world, how to control the uncontrollables and thrive. So you mentioned the four A's. And one of the things when I was reading that, uh, as somebody that's managed people uh, for, for most of my career, those really are guidelines, too, on how to manage people. That's what people are looking for. 
you you got it right there. That's the nut of it all. Look, I want you to and, and what what I had five direct reports, 60 subordinates. And I know some of you've had a lot more than that, but that was a major uh, undertaking, trying to get the most out of the, the group that I was responsible for. And one of the first things I did was uh, talk to this group when I took over and, and talked about empowerment. And we all hear, hear the phraseology, empowerment, empowerment, empowerment. And what I told them is like, it's crucial that you understand that I'm... I'm not going to tell you how to do your job. If you are my lead dog in this unit, I'm going to trust you with this responsibility. And if I can help you in any way, you'll let me know. But if you have a problem, you bring me three answers <laughs> as to what you think we can do. And we'll we'll talk about it. But the first thing you need to understand is like, I know you don't care how much I know unless you know how much I care. So we have to constantly give people, they need to know that they are cared for, that you accept them, that your approval goes beyond just giving them a paycheck. And you know that that's what people are craving. So you must find ways to teach them to not just look for it and receive it, but to give it to others. I hope everyone that's listening, that's managing people, keep in mind those four A's because you you feed those, you'll have great employees. Uh, you talk, and that's certainly in the title of the book or the subtitle, Controlling the Controllables. Let's talk about those. Let's be real clear that, and, and, and some of you will remember uh, the old serenity prayer. Perhaps yeah. you do. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. When you take it past the serenity prayer, you can see it's talking about learning to control the controllables. I, it's a whole lot in this world I cannot control. What I can control is how I feel about me. What I can control is how I'm going to respond to adversity, how I'm going to respond to being attacked personally, how I'm going to respond and react, how I'm going to believe that. I'm enough. I, what, that's what I can control is self-acceptance and caring about myself as so much that I can afford to care about you. So controlling the controllables takes us to a space where I can identify what is under my domain. And, and controlling others is not under my domain. <laughs> Trying to get everybody else to, to, to do it the way I want them to do it. No, I've got to learn how to lead with my hands in my pocket. I've got to be able to turn it over to you. I've got to be able to surrender the ego at the right time if I want to get more out of you and allow you to be the champion that you are being trained to be. So I teach people how to control what they can control and to be able to identify it. And that's what the control the controllable really boils down to. But it also includes teaching people to stop being afraid. Wait a minute. Stop being afraid. That doesn't make sense. Be fearless. Well, being fearless, I don't know if that's too smart. To stop being afraid of being afraid. That's a game changer, Tom. That's, I mean, think about some of the greatest moments of your life. Think about some of the most 
fun you've ever had. Think about the grand adventures you've gone on. There were times when you had an unbelievable experience and you were about to crap your pants before <laughs> before it all took place. Some of the most amazing moments in our lives, we were anxious. Being anxious and afraid makes sense sometimes. Embracing it is what we're talking about. Stop being afraid of being afraid says that it is normal to be anxious at certain moments in life. If you can overcome fear and self-doubt, you've just changed the whole game. Fear makes sense sometimes, but you turn anxiety into excitement and fear into passion. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's facing fear. Well, I've had my uh, share of setbacks in life, and I've been in the frying pan, and I can remember being in the frying pan and how anxious I was. But then I look back on those days and I go, you know, those were some of the best days of my life. I just didn't pay attention to the present because that's where I did most of my growth, which takes me to the next question. Let's talk about obstacles and the value of obstacles. Oh, obstacle is the way. <laughs> There's this great guy named Ryan Holiday who has who does the Daily Stoic. It's one of, one of my favorite people to talk about. And he wrote a piece called The Obstacle is the Way. And Tom Brady's forward in the book, he references the obstacle is the way. The obstacle gives us our mission. The obstacle is the opportunity that's knocking. The obstacle is setting us up to either go through life or grow through life. Our mission is to learn how to grow through it and not just go through it. Trials and tribulations are part of life. And so it becomes more predictable. It's more manageable. I anticipate there are going to be moments that are going to be challenging. And I need you to get excited about it and not just anxious. I need you to be better and not bitter yeah. when we're facing some of the trials. and tri You're going to have your heart broken. You're going to have the loss and grief. You're going to have all kinds of things coming at you. How fast you recover tells me how fit you are. We're not just talking about physical fitness anymore. We're talking about mental, physical, and spiritual fitness. How fast you recover tells me how fit you are. Well, we have about one minute left in this segment, and I'd like you to tell us a little bit about somebody who is very important in your life, and that's Howard Bebson. Tell us a little bit about him. And the Howard Brabson believed in me before I believed in myself. He, he would treat me with dignity and respect no matter how way out or whacked out I might be at that time. And he would always approach me with care, compassion, and concern. And never judgmental, never putting me down, just always saying, how are you today? Boom, boom, boom. Come talk to me. Come see me. This was one of the greatest mentors you could ever have. You walk into his office, and the first sign you would see was that it would say, you can give a man a fish and feed him for a day, or you can teach a man to fish and feed him for the rest of his life. I was mesmerized by this one little postcard on this man's office. Every time I'd walk in, that's what I'd see. And was he, and where was, was this at Michigan or before Michigan? He was a professor in, in the School of Social Work 
And he's the one that conned and maneuvered me into becoming a social worker and teaching me the difference between a state worker and a person who created programs and changed people's lives. That's great. Well, we're going to come back after a short break. We're with the Hero's Hero, Greg Harden. You'll find all of our show notes and links, including a link to uh, Greg's book at TheMentorsRadio.com. When you're there, make sure you subscribe so you do not miss any of our shows. This is Tom Loy, and this is The Mentors Radio Show. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Loy, and I'm with the Heroes Hero, Greg Harden. And we're talking about meaningful lives and happiness and success and all those things that people strive for. When you, in, in your book, you talk about the demon on your left shoulder and the uh, angel on the right. Talk a little bit about, I mean, that gets to understanding our dark side and our bright side. Could you talk a little yes, bit about sir. that? I mean, I, I couldn't, you can't forget those great cartoons you used to watch where the little devil would show up on one shoulder and the angel would show up on the other. And ultimately they get in a fight. <laughs> the bottom line is when we're talking about the demon on our left shoulder, we're talking about self-defeating attitudes, the ways that we think and behaviors, the ways that we act. Being able to identify is the first thing to get us to the point where we can eliminate self-defeating attitudes and behaviors. The angel is, what's the opposite? Instead of just focusing on the negative, what are the positives? The positives, are there self-supporting attitudes? Are there ways that we can think and act that will build us up, that will set us up to be successful? And so we articulate in the book clearly uh, some examples of the difference between self-defeating attitudes and the difference between that and self-supporting attitudes. Blaming others, making excuses, putting ourselves down, putting others down, lying, uh, being someone that is preoccupied with never being able to be cr critiqued or taking feedback effectively. And self-supporting being those people who are always open and honest and trying to find ways to make things work. It's when we're in, in, in those negative pieces, we sometimes sabotage our own lives and we're trying everything we can to teach people what they look like, what they sound like and how to get out of it. We've got a few minutes left. And I'd like as one person I'd like you to talk a little bit about uh, with my audience and that's Samantha Arsenault. Tell us a little bit about her story and what ha what what the outcome was. Samantha Arsenal, who is also Samantha Livingstone, is an unbelievable human being. She is a great mother. She is a great uh, motivator. She has unbelievable website coverage. You've got to look up, look her up. But she was an Olympian. When she was in high school, this woman had a gold medal going into college, and her expectations were off the chart. And when things were going in the wrong direction, it overwhelmed her. She was depressed and saddened and, and overwhelmed with, with, with grief because she, her everyone, the world's expectations, everyone's expectations was that if anyone was going to be a champion everywhere she went, it was going to be Sam. And Sam 
had to transform her thinking and transform her ability to think and decide that she's not going to be think the same as she was doing before. She reinvented herself and became a champion once again. But this young woman really faced it. Uh, and her body was falling apart. Her shoulder was falling apart. And she was so worried about not pleasing everybody. We had to teach her to please herself, to love herself, to accept herself, flaws and all. And as we're moving to the end of the segment, what is what would you have to say about those people you've met along the way that have found meaning and happiness in their life? What's that thread that you've found in people? Again, the critical piece is getting to a space in your life where you're not preoccupied with the narcissistic, self-absorbed absorbed, uh, self, but the self that actually enjoys being alive, that knows that this is temporary at best, and that while you're alive, you better live. Those people who capture the opportunity to build people up and take everyone that they can higher level. Those are the peak performers that I absolutely adore and admire. And those are the mentors you want in your life who make you just feel good as soon as you see their face. Well, thank you very much. That's it for today. Our time with the Heroes Hero has come to an end. Thank you for joining us. If you missed any of this show, you will find a link in our show notes, including a link to Greg's book, Stay Sane in an Insane World, How to Control the Uncontrollables and Thrive. You'll find it at our website, thementorsradio.com, or on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe so you don't miss any future shows. Join us next week at the same time for the next edition of The Mentors Radio. Until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. Remember, to be all you can be, and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.